Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host or co-host, Ken Seymour, with your other host or co-host, Richard Geiger. Hello. We have an excellent guest for you today. For those of you who are sports fans, for those of you who are fans of IU specifically, we have Paul Constantine, who is a strength coach for the IU football team. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's good to be here. Well, we are very excited. Anytime we get a chance to uh, talk to somebody that is a a cog in a machine that has had such a, a... a storied history and such a, such a presence on the campus that we are so near. It's a kind of a little treat for us. So I guess my first thing was, what is your title? Like when, when you, if you had a business card, you're going to hand to somebody, what is your title? So my title is uh, assistant athletic performance coach for football. Uh, so basically kind of, Strength and conditioning coaches, that name is starting to get kind of old-fashioned and get a little outdated because what we do is starting to broaden a lot more outside of just lifting weights and running, guys. We're doing a lot more scientific stuff. We're actually diving into, you know, some cool individual training methods. So, you know, it's more than just strength and conditioning, hence the name athletic performance. So I guess my official, yeah, my official title is athletic performance coach, assistant athletic performance coach. Okay. Now, that was actually one of the questions that I had is because a lot of these programs delve more into the science side or the food science side, Mm. right? Like the balance between what you eat, how you eat, when you eat, and all the stuff that goes into it. Is, Is that part of your routine as well? Not so much. We actually have a full-time dietitian on staff, so they we work in conjunction with them. Um, they handle the nutrition part of the stuff, the body composition testing. So when I'm saying like the science of stuff, we measure you know power output, bar velocities, things like that. Uh, we do EMG testings to get muscle contraction, see if things are timing up correctly when guys are running. Um, just little things like that that kind of take it and broaden it beyond just hey, go do a squat, hey, go do bench, hey, go hand clean. You know, it's more like, okay, hey, you've got a deficiency in your left hamstring. Now we need to do this exercise. So the food science part is a big piece, and we do have a dietitian, and they work in conjunction with us. We have a director of high performance who kind of oversees all of that, nutrition, sports medicine, everything. So he kind of funnels all that down into one piece. Um, so we don't do a ton of that. We still do a bunch because, again, we're around the guys more than anybody, more than the football coaches, assistant coaches, anything. So um, that's kind of the, the the food part is a big piece, and we definitely harp on that, but we make sure that they go see our dietitian if they have specific questions. Okay. So uh, when you develop a plan, obviously there's a plan that someone's got in place, but then you got to break it down because how, how many – how many kids do you help to prepare a plan for? Like how, like I, I got to imagine there's quite a few. Yeah. So right now I think our working roster is 95 or 96. And this is kind of on the smaller side. Typically summertime, it balloons up to about 120 because you have a bunch of walk-on guys and you're going into season, you need practice squads, you need scout team, things like that. So, we prepare our programs. Uh, our head or our director of athletic performance for football is Coach Dave Ballou. Uh He's our head strength coach. He de- he develops these programs for everybody, and we kind of funnel it down from there. He uh, de- he divvies it up so we, there are 
per NCAA regulation or rules, football can have a maximum of five strength coaches. So there are five of us that work with football. And he kind of splits it up as far as, hey, you keep your eyes on DBs, running backs. You keep your eyes on safeties and cornerbacks. You keep your eyes on, um, you know, quarterbacks and tight ends. You keep your eyes. So he kind of breaks it up into positions so we can handle the smaller stuff like the diet questions and things like that. But he writes all those programs. He says, all right, hey, this is what's going on. Make sure your guys are doing okay with it. Make sure they're handling their numbers correctly. And uh, we just go from there. Now, to maintain this, as I feel like as technology has changed a lot, is this is all this information just like an app you can have on a phone, a tablet? No, uh, we actually have what's called an elite form. So there's uh, there's a lot of ways of measuring. Basically, the biggest thing we do is measure bar speed and power output. So there's a lot of different tools you can have there. I guess there are some apps you can you can uh, download. I know Bar Sensei is one. There's a uh, Gym Aware. There's a software you can put on your phone, but you have to have a tool attached to it. So it attaches to the bar, and it reads the speed of the bar, and it just spits gotcha. that information out yeah. on the phone. Um, but we have as a leap form, so it's everything is built. It's on attached to the rack where they lift, and actually it everything pops up on there. Their workout pops up on there, their weights, their percentage, everything. And as they're going, it, it throws up live data for them. Um, that's, so That's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. It is. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome stuff. Um, so when you sign in, you sign your name in, click your picture, it'll show you workout. Okay, you got squats, five sets of three, starting off at this percentage, working all the way up to this. This is your weights for the entire set. All right, going to my first set. This is the weight. I load it up on the bar, hit start. When you hit start, a laser comes out. Obviously, it's a, you can't see it, um, but it reads the bar. And as you move up and down, it'll tell you how fast that bar is moving. So, yeah, so there are days where we'll say, okay, hey, you got to keep that bar speed above 0.9 meters per second. That's our speed day. Or, you know, it's a strength day, so we'll set the speed really low, like at a 0.2 or 0.3 meters per second, which is, again, really slow. That means the weight is really heavy. But we want to make sure you're kind of staying in that range because if anything outside of that means you're probably going to miss the rep. So we're able to do a lot of velocity-controlled lifts or just a power-controlled lift. Hey, we're going to do a body weight squat jump where it's reading the bar and you can still jump but you want your power output to be above 1500 watts you know and uh we're able to go through there and then after the lift this again this is where this technology is really changing the game because after the lift all right shut it all down it all that data every single rep of every single kid that was just in there gets sent to uh coach blue our head strength coach his computer and then it's on the website that we have access to for elite form so we can look at each individual guy and say, okay, hey, on his first set of squat, he was doing this. All right, his strength curve, because it'll print out a graph, and it'll say, okay, this is where you started. Your power output spiked right here and then went back down. And then we say, okay, that's that's too slow of a contraction. We want it to spike here and then go down. So, again, we're able to really just dive in and hone hmm. in on what these guys are doing. And, if again, there's also a camera on there. So if a guy is doing something, we can say, okay, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. Boom, here's a replay of your last set, and you can show them. Because that's one guy, That's one way guys learn the best is actually visually seeing what they did. So being able to show them right there at the rack is just an amazing, just awesome tool. So, so not only does it help to customize for what you're trying to work on, but it helps them just in a, simply a technique standpoint. It helps them in a technique standpoint. It helps them in a competition standpoint. It helps them lift harder. Because one of the things that we've discovered is uh, doing a hand clean or doing any kind of explosive movement, one of the things we always say, hey, be explosive, move the bar fast. Well, they, they, in their mind, they think they are. 
You know, okay, well, now, okay, we're doing a hand clean. We're set our speed at 2.0 meters per second. That's fast. And they go up and they're moving at a 1.7. All right, that's not fast enough. So they can see that and they get feedback. And also one thing that, that we do and we set it up is we set up competitions. So, okay, let's say me and you are going head to head. I've got my speed was 2.0 and it'll flash gold on the screen because that's the top speed for the day, you know. And your speed, then you go up and you hit a 2.2. Now yours is gold. And then it'll show up on my screen. Hmm. So I don't have the top score anymore. So guys are able to kind of compete back and forth. And if you don't get it, it shows red. Guys, it's it's crazy. You see guys go, they go bananas when they don't get their speed, especially when they're supposed to. So it just helps guys train with a lot more intent, which is what you want. Because you tell a guy to move the bar faster, you don't have a way to show them whether they are or they aren't. Well, now you can. And it shows them rep to rep in real time. Wow. Does that possibly having that kind of instant feedback, I can see a lot of positive out of that, but does it sometimes cause not a panic, but for those that are very competitive that it, they end up adjusting the way they do things to try and compensate in the wrong kind of way? Yes and no. Uh, sometimes you'll get a kid. Uh, so the, you'll get a kid who's doing squats and they're looking at the screen the entire time they're trying to squat. And you have to say, hey, eyes forward, just worried about squatting right now. We'll tell you your speeds later. Um, some guys will try, will sacrifice technique for just pure speed. And we'll tell them, hey, look, that's not what we're looking for here. We want to make sure you're getting speed, but get it with good technique. So um, yes and no, but more, it's more on the positive side than we just see guys going, just doing stupid stuff and throwing the bar around and just to get some astronomical speed. That, And plus, the one thing we do is when we review the numbers, if you see... Again, if you know you know the exercise, you know we're doing speed squat, you know a typical speed, a really, really, really good speed is like a 1.3, and then all of a sudden you see a 4.5 out of nowhere, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's that's not right. Yeah. You know, that's a, that we just, call it, yeah, we just call it a spike and we just throw it out. So that's that's kind of your way around that. Now, these these facilities, they're, they're not that old, right? Like the, the actual where the – where the gym area is, where the weights are, and it's not just for like the football team, like it's for no our weight everybody. room. Our weight room, it's on the older side. It's about nine, ten years old, um, and kind of the current trend right now is every six years they kind of people redo it. So we're looking to we're looking into that to get update our facilities, but it's it's twenty five thousand square feet, and it's used for every sport, with the exception of uh, basketball, women's basketball. And uh, I think now volleyball, because there's a, there's a new facility over, or there's a facility in Assembly Hall. So there's really no need for them to come over and train in that facility. They have one right off their court that they can just train in. Um, so this is used for all 24 sports that we have on campus. We all train in there. Um, but what we do is just because, again, football's so big, we, all, we take up just half of the side. And, you know, we're over here. This is our side. We're working on it because we're throwing around 70-pound med balls, and we don't want people just walking through that and getting hit. So we kind of just make sure that when we're doing on stuff on that side, it kind of stays, you know, hey, just kind of keep off this side. And, you know, you work over there. You just plenty of space. So we just work as best we can to share the space. It's a big gym. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, it is. you know, you, you got to have space because there, there's a lot of muscles, and the muscles take up the space, right? Yes. That's how I understand it. Muscles take a lot of space. <laughs> so you were talking about the, the building the right technique. Mm-hmm. Um, how directly does the technique for the weights and the way that you work out transfer to any of the skills on the field? Does it transfer at all? 
or is it just primarily a, a physique building thing and a stamina building thing? It's both. Um, so this is where a lot of people, especially in the strength community, full squats versus quarter squats. It's, it's some people literally go crazy when you say quarter squats are beneficial. But studies show, so basically a quarter squat means you're not getting your butt all the way down. You're not getting your thighs parallel to the ground, um, which is a parallel squat, which is basically your powerlifting or Olympic type squat. We, we do that. That's good for generating gross strength. But as far as, like you said, correlation to the field and what has a greater carryover and correlation to actual sprinting, jumping and stuff you're going to do on a daily basis, quarter squats are actually proven to show a greater correlation to that type of thing because it mimics your joint angles better. Now, am I saying I'm not by any means saying that you should never parallel squat ever because I I don't I don't think that's true. I think it's a matter of using both as and implementing them wisely in your program because you have to be flexible. You can't be so rigid on just all right, this is how we do things. This is the one way we're going to do it and I don't care what anything else says. It's like, no, you, you have to adapt and learn and know, okay, hey, our joint angles on the field never line up with a full parallel squat ever. So there's really no reason to simply only be training that. Now, is it good? Absolutely. Is it beneficial? Yes. You get a lot of strength, a ton of strength, a ton of post-chain activation through that. But as far as making guys better athletes, better sprinters, better runners, better jumpers, you have to do something that's going to train them in what they do in those joint angles and a quarter squat is better. So it really, it all depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to get just strong and big and, you know, just overall growth strength, then yeah, full parallel squat, do it. That's what's going to help you get stronger. But if you want to get guys better at their sport, vertical jump, running, you know, then you have to train at those angles, which is a quarter squat. Well, I, I've got to imagine that just like any regimen that you would have, the the linemen, the receivers, like all your core groups, they're not going to they're not going to work out the same, right? Because someone needs more traditional speed, someone needs more like burst speed. Some you know, like there's different. Mm. I feel like you'd have to customize those for each group that you're working with. Yes, again, yes and no. Um, we we go so individualized, and this is a, a, a training method that I've never really seen, never been a part of, or until I worked, got on with Coach Ballou, I've never seen it before. So we train everyone the same, but everyone gets trained different. So basically what I mean by that, in our squat days, everybody's going to squat, and everyone's doing the same percentage and same amount of reps. Um, now in season that may change we may make an adjustment for our big boys we may put them on a different bar that takes a little pressure off their shoulders or for the same thing for squat it takes a little pressure off their shoulders because they're just in the trenches battling out the whole time but we go so far as to say even 2-0 linemen won't always train the same because we do what's called our speed focus I mentioned earlier the EMG testing so basically, that's just you. There are electrodes that get attached and uh, attached to quad and hamstring, and so we just have our guys go run, and we see, okay, hey, what's your contractions looking like? And then we can go in from there and say, hey, your quad isn't really firing. So guess what? When we're doing our lower body days and our speed focus tag during the last part of the group, you're going to go with quad, but your hamstrings aren't firing, so you're going to go with hamstring. 
those are the types of things that we're able to do and get the individualized training because if we didn't have that information and we just said, okay, hey, you two are the same position, both you guys just go do hamstring work right now because, yeah, everyone needs hamstring work, which is true. But you need quad work. You know, if you don't get what you need, then you're not getting better. You know, if you need just single leg hamstring work, we're not helping you out either. So it's a matter of we really have we really hone in and find individual deficiencies and we train the individual as opposed to just training a blanket position. Because if we do that, then we're honestly you're going to leave some guys out and guys are going to get neglected and we're not going to be able to train you the best we can. See, to me, this just seems so crazy slash amazing that it can Mm -hmm. be so detailed like that because I I, it can it couldn't have been like this 10 years ago even no and it's it's honestly it's not like this in a lot of other places a lot of other places aren't doing this um a lot of other places will do what you just said and say okay hey wide receivers you guys go do this running backs you guys do that now is it wrong no I don't really I'm not gonna say it's wrong but it's I don't think it's the best way to train the guy it's not the best way to get the absolute most out of each individual guy you can, which is what you need and which is what we need, which is what we're doing. I don't know if movies taught me anything. We were preparing for this back in the 80s. I mean, Ivan Drago, he had that <laughs> entire setup through the, the, the whole section where Stallone's just got a barn and something to lift, but he's got all the high-tech stuff. I, this sounds very familiar to me. Yeah, you, you can't just run in the sand and in the, on the beach yeah, and, and get better. You can't you run know? on the beach. Yeah, that, that those days are slowly fading. You can't just go punch around a side of beef and <laughs> expect to get better out of that. Okay, so we've we, we kind of started off with just asking what your position is and what you do, but let's take let's take a, a trip backwards maybe mm-hmm. and ask more specifically about you because you played football mm-hmm. at uh, at college mm-hmm. and. People listening to us can't see you. Maybe they can look you <laughs> up, but uh, you played wide receiver. I did. Um, you look like you could play defensive end <laughs> for an NFL team right now. So, yeah. uh, so tell me a little bit about your um, your college playing days, and then you you. I mean, you graduated with. Um, with a degree in what what was it? It was a exercise science. Exercise science because mm-hmm. this is right up your alley. So yes. so tell me a little bit about the college playing days. College playing days. Okay, I played. I did play wide receiver. I was about at my heaviest in college. I was two hundred pounds, um, and now the heaviest I've gotten up to is two sixty, which is just that's I don't ever want to be that big again. <laughs> um, but so right now I'm sitting at about two forty two when I weighed myself this morning. Um, but basically, college playing days, played wide receiver. I grew up, my mom was a physical therapist, so I was just constantly just around her and just her working with the human body. So it kind of just always fascinated me from a young age. I remember just one time she got this brand new anatomy book, and I was just looking. I was like, man, like going through just the skeleton, the muscles, nervous. I was like, man, all this stuff is like inside us. This is what makes us go. This is what makes us move, what makes us walk. Like, this is crazy. So it just from that day, I've just kind of been fascinated with how the body works and how to make it better. And originally, I wanted to be a physical therapist. Um, but I kind of studied into more what physical therapists do. And it's like, I nothing against it. It's a great field. It needs to be done. But I don't want to work with injured people or, you know, elderly people or, 
you know, morbidly obese people just teaching them how to walk it. I don't want to do that. You know, that that job does need to be done, but I, I'm not the one to do it. So I, I then turned to strength conditioning because I just enjoyed my time in the weight room. I, and that's just kind of one of those things that I, I joke around with my brother um, because in all the video games growing up, even looking back, like whenever you created a player, you can pick one area you always want to be this like your your thing like in basketball games it was like your jump shot or your handles or for me it was always power I always wanted to create the most powerful dude out there on the field so it's kind of I guess ingrained in me from a young age that I just wanted to be a strong dude um so uh yeah going back to college that's when I really kind of enjoyed lifting and enjoyed learning so I, I just started hanging around the weight room more and more in my free time uh senior year I was playing, and then I actually interned over the summer. And actually, when I was done playing, I interned there in the weight room with uh, my strength and conditioning coach, uh, Coach Carter. Well, he was there at uh, Campbell. I think he's still there. Not not the movie coach. <laughs> <laughs> they cut off my joke. <laughs> yeah, not not the movie coach Carter. But uh, so I just kind of learned from him, and again, really just enjoyed it. And he was like, "Look, if you want to take the next step, you got to get an internship, and you got to get an internship somewhere else." Because it's it's hard for you to coach where you played, and it is. It's, it's you have relationships with the guys there. You're not gonna. It's hard for you to automatically just flip the switch and say, "All right, well, I'm your coach now. I'm not your I'm not your friend anymore." It's weird. Um, so I actually from there I applied. I got an internship at uh, Baylor University. I was there for one year, um, and that's where I really kind of. That's where you really learn. An internship, I think, in this profession is where you really learn if you want to do this or not, as it is with a lot of with a lot of professions. It's just because that was probably the probably the most difficult time of my life, just because it was so demanding. Um, you know, I, we we're waking up. Paid internship. Unpaid. Unpaid. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh. Unpaid internship. So I literally I graduated May twelfth of two thousand twelve. Mother's Day was two, was May 13th. I went out to lunch with my mom, and then I left. And it sounds bad. I left on Mother's Day, but I ha- like I haven't just after that day, I haven't been back home since. That was literally the last day that I was in the same living in the same state as my mom and my parents and my brother, everybody. So I left, went to Waco, Texas. I didn't know hardly anybody. One of my buddies lived in Texas or was out in Texas at the time. He was getting married, so I knew him for a lot. He was, he was there for a little bit, but I was. Uh, Living there, I lived in an apartment that was built because my buddy who got married, his dad went to Baylor back in like the 80s. And we, when he dropped me off in my apartment, he's like, Hey, I lived here when I went to college. I was like, Oh gosh, I was like, I'm in for a treat. Um, so again, this is Texas, so I get down in there, the AC doesn't work. So I'm in a, I'm in an apartment unit where the AC doesn't work in the summertime in Texas. Um, yeah. Fun. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was tough. Um, waking up four o'clock in the morning, you know, working all day till about nine o'clock at night, and then you know just kind of doing it all over again. Uh, eventually, got to the point I was enjoying, I still enjoyed it. Um, and the coach was like, "All right, hey, you know, again, if this is what you really want to do, stay. Try and stay for an entire year, so that way you can see a whole training cycle." So I was like, okay. I stayed for the summer. Originally, I just planned on staying for the summer. I had no idea what I was going to do after. But so I stayed for the summer. Like, hey, look, stay for the season, stay for the springtime, you know, and you know, really see how a whole year fits together. So I was like, I called my mom and dad. Say, hey, I think I'm going to stay. You know, I want to learn more. My dad was like, all right, great. We're not paying for your apartment anymore, so you got to get a job. So I was like, ah, oh. I was like, okay. <laughs> so uh, I ended up still working there. Got my internship. 
and then I got a job at Rudy's, which is a barbecue joint out in Texas. I've heard of it. Um, it's a chain. It's pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, so what I would do is I would wake up 4 o'clock in the morning, go to work, work from 4 until about 9.30. Then I actually, uh, the church I went to down there, the, the elder there was really great, a guy named Bill Litton. He loaned me one of his cars, so I just had a way to get around from point A to point B. So he was he was a big help. I still talk to him to this day. Um, but, you know, so I would drive to work. I was driving a big old red minivan. Mm-hmm. Um, drive to work. Worked at Rudy's from about 10 to 2.30, 3 o'clock. Then left, went back, finished up the day, training teams up. Left at about, you know, 7 again, 7, 8 o'clock, sometimes 9, depending on what we were doing. And then, you know, just did it all again. So that's just where you get used to if if you really want to do this, just like what everyone calls the grind. It's like this is it that you're in it, especially when it comes down to spring, because that's when like right now for us, that's when you're just training. You know, that's when you're making your money. You're making all your gains is you're training hard spring and summer. That's those are big times. Um, is it spring yet? It, well, it I guess feel winter, like spring. winter, winter time, <laughs> winter. I always forget about winter, but I guess it's technically the winter training period. So summer, winter, and then I guess going in spring are your big training times. Um, so we, uh, I actually worked out, finished the year um, in December, and then when I came back in January, they offered me a part-time paid spot. And again, it's still I'm not making much. I think I was making like a thousand dollars a month. But again, I was getting some money in my pocket. I was able to pay a little bit of rent so I could back my hours up down at the place and just kind of invest a little bit more time. So again, worked there for a year, really had to decide if this is what I want to do. There was a couple of times where I just, I hated it. I was like, man, this is, this this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. This is just, this is beating me down. I really don't want to do this. But, you know, just kind of stuck it out and I enjoyed the training aspect of it. But it's just I had to get used to pushing myself, you know, in a way I hadn't been pushed before. Um, so finished up that year, uh, during my time there, uh, I met, you know, this a guy on the string staff there named Keith Caton. Um, he, he was big with me. I actually, I think I lived with him for two weeks because yeah, another apartment debacle. I, I lived with another guy, another apartment I moved into. This was probably built around the same time, but I lived in an apartment. It was, uh, it was had bugs everywhere. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with bugs crawling my face on my legs. It was just not a good time. Had a roommate there. He got another job, so he moved out. So I'm in a two-bedroom by myself. Woke up one morning, a water line busted above me and was pouring water down in my closet. So then I moved into his room because he had already moved out. And then I come home one day, and there's a notice on my door saying the building's been condemned and everyone's got to move out in two weeks. And I just remember I called my mom one day, and I pulled up in the parking lot, and I just looked around. And I was like, there's not a single car here. And I was like, I'm literally the only human being living in this entire building right now. And I was kind of like, man, this is a pretty spooky thing. I was like, I should probably get out of here pretty soon. So luckily I did. I got out of here. And that's, I think, where I stayed with Coach Kane for, uh, I think, for a couple weeks until another GA came and moved in with him. Um, but, yeah, after my time at Baylor, I, uh, I got a director job, which, again, is pretty rare to get with only one year experience, but it was a brand new starting program at Houston Baptist University, um, still in Texas. So I took that job and I ran that for three years. Um, Looking back on it, I mean, I know I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned that I did the best I could. You know, if I could go go back and do it again and change things, would I? Absolutely. But that's just how things work is I I learned the things that I was doing, you know, wasn't the best. But 
you know, I learned a lot from that experience. Um, and it was fun to be able to run my own program for a little bit. Um, it was a lot of work to do. Again, still just the early mornings, late nights, because then there I was working multiple sports. I was working in football, baseball, softball, men's, women's soccer. So it was just a lot of sports going on. I was, I mean, I would be used to working a lot of sports because I did at Baylor. I, this is the first job I've had at Indiana where I'm just football, you know. So, again, Coach, coach Caton got hired in January of 2016 here as the strength coach for uh, Indiana, and he brought me on in May of 2016. So that kind of brings us up to date here, and there have been some shuffles. Coach Caton is no longer here. He's up at Syracuse, and now Coach Ballou is here. He's the head guy, so I got retained on that staff. Um, and it's just been, you know, it's just been, that kind of brings us to here and it's where I met my wife and, you know, I was going to say that, that was, it was, a uh, just a, a happenstance, right? Cause she was a, she was, a, she's, a, she's the assistant coach for mm-hmm. the, um, women's basketball team here. Yep. And it just, you guys happen to be at the same spot a couple times or just like yeah it just kind of I remember I saw her one time when she brought a recruit through the weight room I was like man who is that and then I I didn't know I never knew I never found out I didn't honestly didn't think about it until I saw her again another time so we'd always just kind of see each other in passing and she she remembers our first encounter better than I do because we were at an all-staff meeting and I I didn't really I don't really remember we apparently talked at the food line and exchanged names and that was that I don't I, I don't really remember it I just remember I remember one time I was coming out of our dining hall she was coming in and I I didn't know her name or I couldn't remember her name so I, we would just I was like hey what's up coach how you doing coach and you know just kept the conversation from there and one of our uh one of our one of my buddies who's on staff here uh is this he's a safeties coach now and, you know he was like hey man that's uh you know that's that's Jenny Spanks that's the you know because he'd been telling me about her before he was like, you know, so I was like, okay, you know, it may be something there, maybe not. So looked her up and on the website and I sent her a message on Facebook and, you know, we just started talking and, you know, then we started texting and, you know, went on a date and, you yeah, know, here we are. Yeah, so. she, she's, uh, she played professionally in uh, Europe, right? Yeah, she played overseas for, I think, six years. She's played, I don't even know everywhere she's played. I know she played, I think, in... I, I'm actually not even gonna try because I'm gonna mess it up. But yeah, she played in a few, a lot of places overseas in Europe. I think for six years. So she's got. I mean, she's legend at Ben Davis where she played, and she's. Uh, I think she was second in the Miss Basketball voting. She hates that. She <laughs> she's still upset about that to this day. But uh, yeah, so it just kind of just happened. She actually got hired and got brought there. I think two weeks before I did. So it's not like she, I thought she'd been there for a while. But no, it just kind of worked out. So nice. You've got kind of a perfect setup for like a book, a rom com, romance in the weight room. Yes. I can yes. see it. I can see it. You know, like Tay Diggs on one side, and you know, I'd, I'd have to think of who to cast on the other side. But you know, yeah. it's money. I'm telling you, it's right there. We can work on that. <laughs> so um, obviously, when this gets uh, posted on for everybody to listen to. It's going to be a little bit later. But yesterday was National Signing Day. Yes. Um, and from what I've read, I, you had a pretty good day. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the rankings that I've seen have been 37, 38 as far as the scores go, like high 30s. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good for – now, That's to me, that's pretty good for an IU team. Right? It is. It's, it's definitely 
last year we had our top ranked signing team, and then this year we just topped last year's team, which was, which means we're recruiting is getting better, which means we're getting better players again, which makes a better team. So we're moving in the right direction as far as recruiting goes. So we definitely had a good signing day. We brought in a lot of key pieces that we needed, um, and we're looking to get. We have some of those guys on campus right now, um, early enrollees, which is starting to become more and more of the trend. I think it's I, – I, if I had known about it, if that was a thing when I was coming out of, college, out of high school, I would have done it because there are guys who were here now. Uh, they haven't graduated high school yet. I, I don't know how it all works academically. But they get basically an extra six months or five months of collegiate experience. No year, it doesn't count as a year off or, you know, it's just you get to train, you get to do spring ball, you know. So when summer comes up, which is when the majority of freshmen and newcomers come in, they already kind of have a leg up. They know the offense or defense. They know how we train. They know the standards that we have to set. So it's not just you're not having to learn everything and learn how to be a college student learn how to be on your own learn how to go to classes you've already kind of done that yeah and you you might have bulked up 10 pounds in that short bit of time you know we've put i think we had uh, one of our freshmen last year he put on about 20 pounds in in six months just because 17 17 year olds 18 year olds man the way their bodies are adapted is ridiculous they can handle so much just abuse and punishment and they'll still be back and they'll pop right back up and it's it's crazy they can they can make so much gains or so much advancement in a short amount of time yeah the um the, i i feel like the the big 10 as a whole from a recruit like everybody talks about michigan ohio state and blah 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 and they always get the good classes uh, you know i feel like the, even even if nobody wants to play i, I don't know Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's weird because recruiting is all about the coaches, right? Yeah. Um, it's about the university. It's about the location. But really, it's about the coaches. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the Big Ten has gotten better as a conference yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, same thing with basketball. We talked about this with basketball, too. But I, think, I feel like the football, conf- like from a football standpoint, you're always going to have your highs and lows. But, like, a lot of the teams that – weren't good have gotten better so even if you're playing somebody and they've only got a couple wins like they're actually a pretty good team yeah the i mean the big 10 is definitely one of the toughest if not the toughest i mean big 10 sec those two conferences are kind of those are definitely the cream of the crop as far as when it comes to football especially the big 10 east which is the division we play in i mean we've got michigan michigan state ohio state uh penn state you know, all in our conference. So those are kind of the big four. And then in the West, you've got Wisconsin. They had kind of a down year last year for as far as Wisconsin standards. Nebraska's coming back up. Um, again, they, they had a down year for them. Purdue's making some noise, as much as I hate to say it. Um, Boil her up. And then, uh, we don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Northwestern is always a, just a steady team. When t- I mean, they won the Big Ten West this they year. They won their division, year, yeah. So. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where there's no real bad team. Any, any At any given day, you, you've got to bring it. If you're in the Big Ten conference play, you've got to bring it. On any given day, you can get beat, so you better be ready to play. Now, do I, I know from a, a standpoint of the recruiting process, a lot of that goes through the assistant coaches. The head coach has a lot to do with it, right? But the assistant coaches do a lot of legwork too. Um, what part do you play in recruiting? Because – 
part of the recruiting process. Like if someone comes to visit the university, they've got to tour the facilities, right? They may come to a game and they may check out the place. What part do you have in recruiting? In recruiting, our our roles are very minimal. It's it's simply touring the weight room. We're there for the you know some of the dinners and events, things like that. When we have the whole staff around. But that's one of the reasons why I'm not a football coach is recruiting. I don't I don't want to go on the road <laughs> for six weeks at a time. That's just not me. My wife does that. She's actually gone on the road right now recruiting in the middle of the season. Middle so, of the season. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's up in Chicago and then she's going to New York. So it's that's not me. That's not what I want to do. I have no interest in doing that. Um, again, somebody's got to do it. It's just not me. Um, so I have no interest in being a recruiter, but we do – play a part when it comes to getting the guys on campus because you can see how we train and if that's an important part of you know training is an important part it's an integral part so you can compare okay this is how they train this is how they train they say they're going to train me individually but they didn't bring up any way of how we could how they were going to do that in you know their presentation whereas this word iu man they brought up some really good stuff you know and actually that's kind of one of the our our running back Samson James we just got him he's one of the top running backs he was committed to Ohio State and then he decommitted from Ohio State and then stayed here in Indiana and one of the big reasons he said was because I feel like I'll get better training you know so you know we play a big part we play a minimal part in grand scheme of things we're not making phone calls we're not on the road doing legwork doing home visits we're not doing any of that but when it comes time to show them what we got we're definitely ready to do that so I've got a question that kind of treads on slightly sensitive mm. soil, just just barely. Mm. Um, and it, one of the things that I thought of, you know, <clears throat> every every kid's dream is, you know, I go to college, I'm good enough, I hit the pros, mm-hmm. and then you know that's life. And obviously, that's just not going to happen for the vast majority of people. Right. And I keep hearing that more and more that they understand that, and there's excellent plans uh, so that that they have something to go to. After that, that they've got the skill set they need, which mm. is great. But one of the things that I, I thought of that I've not seen addressed as much, and it's probably just because I haven't been you know immersed in this. I'm mm. not the sports person. But what is what is the long term effects of of training for a sport like football mm. on an individual after they're no longer in the sport? They've, they've gone through college. They go into a different profession mm. where it's, it's not necessarily where they're going to be in the same kind of weight. Is there a lasting effect to, to an individual that's either good or bad that you have seen or heard of? From a physical standpoint? Yeah. I think it definitely, for me, this was, again, this is me, and we still see a lot of our former players coming in and still lifting, still training. I couldn't do a job where I was not active. I, I couldn't do it. That's just not me. Like if if someone was like, "Hey, this is your cubicle. You sit there. You get an hour for lunch. You can get up and walk around." But that's it. I couldn't do that. You know, I, I I'd have to I have to be so active in some way, shape, or form. It's just that's just what I do. Now, some guys they like to train and they love training. They love the training aspect. Now, a lot of guys will say, "Look, when I'm done, I'm never going to squat again," because some guys hate squatting, which is fine. But we try and you know teach them look okay when you're done and you still want to stay active you don't have to train like this there's no reason to you know i I wouldn't even recommend them training like i train right now there's no reason to only reason i train the way i do is because i want to be stronger than a lot of our guys so i have that motivation pushing me i want to make sure that i can you know say what i'm saying and back it up at the same time um but 
I think they know how to take care of their bodies, especially if they do if they diet correctly. You know, because it's funny you see a lot of our old linemen who were three hundred plus pounds. You know, when they come back, they're like two hundred sixty pounds, two hundred fifty pounds, and it's just like, man, that's crazy. They're like, what'd you do? It's like, what? Well, I just I didn't eat like I had to be three hundred pounds anymore. You know, and they know how to lift. They know how to be active. So. You know, from what I've seen, I've not seen a guy who just leaves and is just like, man, I'm just so beat up, I can't do anything. You know, it's just, it's, it, it's some guys get addicted to it. They get addicted to the lifestyle of being active, and so they pursue they pursue fields and professions where they can be active, you know, kind of like I did. Mm-hmm. That's why I did it. Um, or some guys that say, look, no, I'm going to work a desk job, but I'm going to make sure that I can still go lift and I can still be active and I still train. Um so it, it it all really kind of depends on the, the individual. You know, some guys love training. Some guys hate it, and they only do it because of football. Uh, and some guys say, look, I'll never pick up weight again. Now, a lot of guys say that, and then six months later, they feel horrible. And like, man, I felt a lot better when I was lifting, and they start lifting again. So they understand kind of the physical benefits of it. And again, you don't have to train as hard as what we're training right now, but being active goes a long way. What about from the injury standpoint i'm I'm not talking about Mm -hmm. like breaking a leg or a hamstring there's there was and still has been a certain concern over um repeated trauma that Mm -hmm. can affect uh the the brain yeah like the the cte and all that i mean that's that's definitely a sensitive subject everybody's kind of that's like kind of the hot topic yeah um is you know cte uh it's kind of what is is one of those things like you have you know what you're getting into when you're playing football you know you know that there's a possibility of it i'm not saying that it's 100 guaranteed because i came out and as of now i'm fine i have no real no side of no effects nothing i mean I'm, my memory's pretty good i don't get headaches i don't have any depressive thoughts i i think it just depends on you know being smart about your symptoms and being smart about what's going on if you think something's wrong i think that, that the old days where you got your bell rung and you're still seeing double and you're out there on the field and you're trying to play through it, I think that's done. I think that's kind of – that's how you get the repeated trauma and the injuries. We have a – you know, we have a concussion doctor on staff or, yeah, on staff, and he does a good job with our concussion protocol. Um, you know, at the side of symptoms, you're done for a while. You get shut down. You know, so we're trying – I mean, there's no – there is no 100% way to get rid of concussions in the game of football. It's impossible. It'll never happen. Unless you just go straight up two hand tag, or flag football. Yeah, I mean, that, that me, was what I saw. Like Adam, Adam ruins everything. Suggests right. it's like, oh, yeah, it'll be just fine. Changes are made to the game all the time, and I was like, I don't know how well the the flag football thing would go over with yeah. the public. Yeah, the, and that's and that's kind of the that's kind of the appeal of it is just because guys are doing such crazy things and it's a violent game. I mean, mm. it's. It's modern, almost kind of like a modern day gladiator match. I mean, obviously that's a bit extreme. Yeah. But it's just that's the one of the big pieces of football is just the hitting aspect of it. Because once you're done playing football, it's not like basketball, golf, or it's not like any other sport. You can't just go play football again. Right. You know, you can't just say, "Hey, let's all go pad up and play eleven on 11. You know, it's that's it. It's done. So again, it's just you have to be smart with what's going on. You have to be smart with your symptoms. You can't just say, "Hey." Man, I've had a pounding headache for the past three days, but I'm ready for game day. So <laughs> that's not a good sign. No, and it's it used to be like a sign of weakness. Yeah. Right? But now it's just it's like it's people's livelihoods, so they got to pay attention to it. But I also think that uh, 
tackling techniques have been taught differently for like the last five years too, mm-hmm. right? Like how you address uh, a person who is a running back or how it's even um, addressed from a penalty standpoint when someone gets tackled like in crazy situations. So they've addressed it from a rule standpoint, but I feel like in a preparation standpoint, it's been addressed as well. Yeah. It, it, again, the awareness of it has just skyrocketed. I remember when I was playing there, we, every year we always had to do the heads up tackling you know, they taught us how to tackle, then they gave us a demonstration just so we knew how to tackle and make sure that we were protecting ourselves when we did. So, I mean, that's still going on. The way we tackle, the way you hit, you making sure you're keeping your head out of it. You don't want to lead with your head or your helmet because that's obviously how you get those seriously traumatic injuries. All right, so we've talked a lot about football and football things. Yes, we have. So why don't we transition into what are the things that kind of drew us to you when we when we met you and that is the stuff that we talk about all the time comic books right yeah so um tell us a little bit about your interest from a comic book standpoint because i feel like it's pretty and like it's pretty in depth like you got a lot of interest in movies and books and everything yeah i i love comics i mean uh, especially marvel comics it's just kind of started from a young age uh, not necessarily reading comic books. That that really didn't come until later on. But just watching the cartoons, I remember Batman Animated Series, Spider-Man Series, and X-Men. Those three cartoons were kind of like just, those were the best things ever. And me and my brother loved those. We would watch them all the time. We watched so many episodes of Spider-Man. We watched so many episodes of X-Men, Batman the Animated Series, and they came out with Batman Beyond. And I mean, it's just we just followed up and kept up with it. And as we've gotten older, the technology has increased, and they're able to do so much more with it. And uh, comic books, I think the biggest thing for me is now the digital comic books. Mm. Um, that just makes it so easy because I think me and one of my buddies down in Texas, we split uh, digital comic book rental or just an account. So it's like you get all the access to every comic book that Marvel's put out, but it's 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 later, so it's obviously not premiere. You're not getting premiere access, but you're still getting able to read the stories, and that's just cool. I just I love comic books. I love going to movies. My wife makes fun of me, but I don't care. I mean, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you've got that uh, you've got that shirt on right now for the Black Panther yep. uh, shirt. Um, what did you think about the movie? I love the movie. Uh, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, I didn't think it was the best comic book movie of the year. I'm, uh, I know a lot of people say it was. I don't think it was. I thought Avengers: Infinity War was just what it did was just so much was better now for what black panther was what it stood for what it represented i thought it was awesome i think it was amazing i didn't think we'd ever see a black panther movie like that you know yeah it's pretty amazing it just from what they did tying it in from the civil war storyline just his introduction into that i think it was it was amazing to see it was a really good movie yeah, we uh, I know we both enjoyed it. We've been mm-hmm. having a lot of fun with most of the most of the Marvel titles to begin with. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much on some of the DC titles, but uh, <laughs> there there is some sadness there. Yeah, I mean, even Aquaman got like a a very good passing score of D minuses. I think is what it. <laughs> I I enjoyed Aquaman. I I actually really enjoyed it, and it, I think the crazy the craziest thing about it is. This is what blows my mind is DC Comics is literally sitting on the three most noticeable superheroes in the world. You ask anybody off the street who doesn't know anything about comics, who is who, who, just name one superhero. I guarantee you they're going to say Superman. Absolutely. 
And then next they'll probably say Batman, and then next they'll probably say maybe Spider-Man, because Spider-Man is known very well worldwide. But then they'll probably say Wonder Woman. Yeah. And they're sitting on all three of them. They had all three of them in the same movie, and that movie was awful. Yeah. Well, all the movies with all three of them were Both movies were pretty bad. Yeah, they, they, I didn't, they were pretty I didn't awful. Think it was, I, I just... I just don't understand what they're trying to do. I just I think their I think their formula with doing the group movie, then coming back with the solo movies was back was just way backwards. Wonder Woman was good. I will yeah, say that Wonder Woman was good. Aquaman for me, I think was the best DC movie that they've done with so far, which is crazy to me because the as far as the concept of the superhero, it's it's a really stupid concept. It's a oh. man who can talk to fish and can kind of control water, and it's like that's 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 really weak. It but is. what they did, I think, I think what they did with that movie made it really fun, and I actually enjoyed it. And maybe I'm just I kind of flipped so hard because I'm coming off of Justice League, and I'm just <laughs> like, like anything man. compared to Justice League yes, is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what DC does moving forward um, with Wonder Woman eighty four coming out soon. Uh, and Shazam. Shazam. Shazam will be, that'll be interesting to see how they pull that it'll, one. It'll either be fantastic or just god awful. I feel like that's, I feel like, yeah, yeah there's there's not much middle ground. I have, I have, I have hope because I really like, I, I didn't like their cast for the lead at first, yeah. even though I like the actor a lot. It's like yeah. him as Captain Marvel, uh, but he's winning me over with yeah. the trailers that I'm yeah, seeing. And they're it's taking like, a they're taking a lighter, more whimsical approach to things as opposed to what they did with Man of Steel, where they made him a block of cement and was just angry and depressed about everything. And yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing. That's why yeah. DC's having problems. Their, their tone is just has just been completely wrong yes. up until recently, and yes. that's drug them down a little bit. But but if you look at the tones of the previous. Batman films, right? Those kind of had like not a depressed, but like a a more brooding tone to them, and they were really successful. Well, that's because that's Batman. I, but I, <laughs> but I also think that you had the right people taking care of that entity as well. Mm-hmm. And this time around, I just didn't know the right. People. And and I think what helped those movies, and what helped those movies be really good. And made him because it was it was a realistic Batman is what it was with Christian Bale that was a realistic Batman, and what makes it so hard to have a realistic bat it's hard to have a realistic Batman standing next to Superman. It's just hard to do. How do you contrast that? Because you know Batman is Batman, but Superman is Superman. Like it's hard to have a realistic. This is Earth environment where everything is real and one hundred percent. That's why everyone got they tried to do it with Man of Steel and they were like, okay, well you painted a real universe. Superman just killed like five thousand people in the city, you know. He's like, you want to be realistic? Let's be realistic. That's what happened. That during that whole city fight with Zod, a ton oh, of yeah. people died. Yeah, and then I didn't. I appreciated that fact because you you never in the cartoons like how that you never presented that right no. in in the movies like the Christopher Reeve movies. There wasn't there wasn't like mass destruction well, and in, that's, a, in a sense. Well, and that's right? why. You have to look at the original the original cartoons that came out. I mean, talking about the early black and white Superman cartoons were drastically different than what we see today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of what we saw in the cartoons in the 70s and the 80s, you, you got to understand this is the George Reeves Superman and the Christopher Reeves Superman movies having an effect on how the cartoons were mm-hmm. portrayed. So it's yes. a very light touch. It's a yes. very not 
not happy, but optimistic, yes. certainly, uh, way of looking at things. So that's how it's going to be presented, and that's why it, it had such a different feel. Even, I mean, even Superman, the animated series, because I remember that, that. That was a big thing. There was, like, when he fought Darkseid and stuff like that, there was definitely some destruction. But it, it, it was presented in such a way that you never thought about other people in those buildings. Yeah. You know, but in The Man of Steel, you showed people being terrified about to be crushed by, you know, the gravity engine or the mm-hmm. world engine going on. It brings it back to home. It's like, well, hold on now. This is, I never really thought of that side of Superman. Like, if there are people in those buildings, like, that's not good. That's, and again, they no. use that to kind of fuel Batman versus Superman, which, again, whatever. Well, and then, and truthfully, the comics have a great history of the two of those characters Absolutely. going back and forth. And it works well. Because you have time to develop it. Yes, you can. You can develop so much more on a page, and I think one of the one of the biggest. I think one of my favorite comics that I've read with DC that just epitomizes the ideology of Batman versus Superman was the Injustice storyline. Hmm. You know, like the the video games that came out and the comic books. I actually, I, I wish I could have kept finishing, but I I didn't have any more. I couldn't download them anymore because I was well. I won't say how I was downloading them, but <laughs> the way I was downloading the comics was cut off, and I could not download them anymore. Um, but it was just, just the ideology of what was going on, the fact of you know Joker manipulating Superman to push him to such crazy lengths because he knew, like, I can't beat Batman that way, but I can beat Superman that way. And then just the spiral downhill from that of Superman saying, look... We're taking away all choices from everybody. Like it's going. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm over it. I'm done. And we're just broken. And Batman's like, look, this isn't how it is. And the fact that even Batman was defending. I just remember that the Batman was defending him to was defending Superman to the Joker. Like, dude, you think I'm. You think I'm a tough dude. Superman's the toughest guy I know. He's never gonna fall for your scheme. And then Superman comes right in and falls for a scheme because Superman always does that. He's falling for people's jokes all over. Oh, yeah. all over the place. He's Superman, but. I think that's just one of the things that just kind of epitomizes just their viewpoints and how well they're done in the comics. Again, I don't know if people like it or not, but I love it. I just think that those comics are just so good at pitting those two against each other in such a creative way. Well, if you enjoyed that, you should probably give the story uh, uh, Kingdom Come. I've heard of that Try. one. I've heard of that one. I haven't. I haven't got around to that, but I've, I have heard that is really good. Fantastic story, and it's Alex Ross okay. doing the art, so it's all paint. Yeah, it's stellar. That's awesome. I need to. I definitely need to get a look at that. And I don't really read much anything, um, <laughs> but uh, one one of there, there's a uh, Batman Superman Public Enemies. Uh, I have seen that where they have to work together because circumstances show mm-hmm. that like they everybody thinks that you know they killed people so yeah it, that one's actually pretty that one's pretty good too seeing them have have to work you know side yeah. by side and just seeing the contrast and the powers and the capabilities yep which they always disguise I feel like or disguise in those presentations sometimes at just how limited Batman actually is mm-hmm. compared to the people that he's going up against slash compared to Superman. Mm-hmm. And I think even in the movies, that's one of the hard things is like Superman is the most powerful being basically that you'll ever see besides a sprinkling of other random people that come in. Yeah. So how do you base that power level in real world 
situations. Mm-hmm. It seems like it'd be difficult. Yeah. But uh, okay, so we talked about kind of like what we're what we're watching and look uh, reading and all that. What's your favorite character? I mean, uh, who do you mark for every time? My favorite character. It kind of bounces back and forth between. It's it's probably if I had to pick between two is Thor and Iron Man. Hmm. Um, I I just Thor again. Thor's kind of one of those guys where he can be really dumb once sometimes and just kind of does exactly whatever the villain wants him to do. Um, but I just love Thor because he's just I mean the god of thunder. I mean what's not to like? Um, I, I even through I read up to I think the point where he lost his hammer and all that stuff. Even moving on to where. The new Thor came on. I can't remember what the title of the, what the arc is called. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it. Um, solid. But, yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's good. And I just like the character of Thor because I like how he kind of grows up and a little, he matures a little bit. And then I want to see – because they always give glimpses into the future where he has his hammered back and he's the king of Asgard and he's, always, he's just like the most powerful dude there is. And it's like, man, I want to see how he got that. Um, and there may be coming out there. I just haven't read it. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I Thor is good. I, I just really I've also enjoyed his movies. And then Iron Man. I think I like the movie version of Iron Man better than the comic version of Iron Man because I think what a lot of people don't realize is they're very different. They are. They're very like the the comic book version of Iron Man is not quippy and funny. He's actually he's 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 pretty he's dry. a jerk. Yeah, yeah. he's kind of a jerk. Like the the Civil War storyline is also one of my favorite comic book arcs. I've I love that storyline. Oh yeah. But just kind of reading through that and seeing some of the stuff that he did, it's like dang, it like that's that's low. That's really dirty. And just reading through like Stan Lee actually created that character. He was like, this is a character that you're not supposed to like, but I want to see if I can create a character that you're not supposed to like and make people like him. So I guess I kind of fell into the Stan Lee's trap because I kind of like him. I like his I like his suit. I like his power set. I like his genius. Um, but at the same time, he can be kind of a – he's kind of not a good dude, um, you know, especially like in I think his superior Iron Man arc where he gets the white armor. and Yeah. He's, yeah, he just – he kind of goes off the rails with that one. Um, well, he's always supposed to be uh, – on just that that line, uh, mm-hmm. for he he thinks that he's because he's smarter. He's smarter for you. Yes, and he can do things better yes. for you. Yeah, and he and he has to do things. It's kind of along the lines of that Superman arc where he's like, "Look, because I am this way, I have to do this for you, and you don't understand why. Just trust me." And it's kind of like, well, no, that's not how it works. Um, so yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely good stuff. You ever read any of the outside? You know, some of the other. I like as far as like the Dark Horse and things like that, or Image or, or anything. No, like that. I haven't really read any of those. I've heard a lot of good stuff about them. Uh, I just haven't, I haven't gotten into them. Um, again, reading actual physical comic books for me is just, I don't do it because a I think they're kind of expensive and they're just they take up a lot of room. No, <laughs> yeah. So I, I just I haven't been able to actually get into physical comics and I know there's like comicsology and services like that but it's also the same as like man I don't want to pay 15 bucks for a comic but I mean we'll we'll see we'll see I've, I've heard things about like Irredeemable and uh, you know Saga the, and yeah. Image is real popular yes yeah so I've, I've, I think uh, I heard there's like they're trying to do some stuff with Dark Horse properties I'm not sure though but well you'll have a chance to see a Dark Horse movie here in a 
couple months. Which one is month? that? Brightburn? No. Uh, uh, um, is it? It's not. That's not Bloodshot. That's something no, else. No, no. Sorry, I'm just having a moment where my brain is. Uh, it's a remake. Hellboy. Hellboy. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. So yeah, that that should be fun. The original Hellboys with Ron Perlman, yep. I really enjoyed. But of course, anything Ron Perlman is in, I will enjoy, and especially the Fantastic Blade Two. <laughs> I mean, the Blade movies were great, and Blade Two was great. Yeah, well, Del Toro's well, worst movie ever made. The okay, first so. two Blades were good. The third one, eh, not so great. The third one was. Yeah, the third one was suspect. Well, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds for you in there, you know? I love Ryan Reynolds, just that movie was not good. It, it was not good in a lot of ways. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in so long. But, uh, yeah, excellent. Had one, so we talk, we also talk a lot about music. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when... <laughs> Segway. Segway. Segway from nowhere. Yes. <laughs> So, well, no, I mentioned that we talk a lot about comic books. So, yeah, there's my segue. There you go. We're back. Okay. When, you know, we kind of have some hot items where uh, we we were we just went on to a podcast and chatted with somebody else, and he always fires away at some, some questions, and he's like, oh, like, what are you, sometimes it's what are you listening to, or what was your favorite album from this past year? So, I just kind of have an interest in what is, like, it's like two parts. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite artist? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, when you are working out, do you have headphones on? If you have headphones on, what are you listening to when you're doing your workout? Mm-hmm. Okay, so favorite artist, um, I don't know if I have just one. So you don't have to name, um, don't have to name one. Yeah, I think, maybe sprinkle in two or three. Yeah, maybe. I think my favorite artist would be... Um, Lecrae, Derek Minor, and then probably and then J. Cole. Mm. Um, I I just we're working in the weight room again with these guys. We hear a bunch of just kind of rap all day long, and honestly, to me, I, it sucks. I hate it. I, I think it's just <laughs> it's just it's just they're just talking about nothing. They're just talking about nonsense, and I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. It's got a good beat, but you're not talking about anything. Um, so that's where I kind of go to like Lecrae and Derek Minor, those guys. I feel like they're talking about some substance aspects that I can relate to as a Christian. It's kind of like, all right, you're, 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 you're talking my language here. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, J. Cole, I think he, again, he talks about stuff. You know, when he's going on, he's got a motive behind what he's talking about. He thinks about what he's writing about. He doesn't just get in there and start screaming about drugs and alcohol and all this <laughs> other stupid stuff. It just doesn't make sense. Now, as far as what I listen to when I'm working out, that is kind of a grab bag. Um, I'm, I'm picturing electronica. Yeah, it depends. It depends. <laughs> it's kind of one of those days. I, I remember one one day a couple weeks ago, I had on like some of the old dubstep I used to listen to. Just nice. I just had some just bass beating in my ears, and that's all I wanted. And then the next day, I had Viking metal, just because I just needed something to get me through, give me a little juice and. You know, I just needed to get pissed off at the weight. Um, sometimes I put in headphones. I only put in headphones because, again, it's 24 sports going in uh, at one weight room. So if, you know, if women's soccer is lifting, they want to listen to Britney Spears radio. I don't really want to okay. do anything when I'm listening to Britney Spears radio. So Not just kinda, one more time? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I kind of put my headphones in for that. Um so what I'm listening to, yeah, sometimes I'll, and that's kind of, I, I get on myself. I'm like, I need to work. I need to make a workout playlist. 
But what I listen to from a workout is just so is all over the place. It's just, I I really don't know what I want to listen to when I work out until I get there, and it's kind of like, all right, what am I feeling today? And then I'll go from there. Some days it's uh, it's uh, um, two steps from hell, which is basically they just do cinematic sound, like cinematic trailer soundtracks, which is just heavy violins and like just epic music and choirs screaming in the background. And I'm like, yeah, I love it. Bring it all. That's what I need. So it all depends. It all depends. I, I remember my dad kind of got a little culture shock by that because um, over Thanksgiving we all had Thanksgiving Day. We had a Thanksgiving lift. Um, and I was squatting. I, I had I had uh, I got the crazy idea. I don't know why I did. Uh, I was doing a type of squat. I decided to do five sets of five at five hundred fifty five pounds. Why I don't know. That's a very was, good question. <laughs> it was that sounds terrible. It was horrible. It was probably one of the worst ideas I've ever done. But I did it. And for the last set, I remember I put on just. One of the hardest metal songs that I can find, and my dad was like, "Oh, what what are you listening to?" Because it was in the weight room, so I put on the weight room speakers because we were the only ones in there. So I put on the weight room speakers, and I just let it blast. He's like, "What are you listening to right now?" And I was like, "I'll talk to you after my set. Hold on." So it's just it all depends, you know. Sometimes I need a little just angry people screaming around just to get my blood pressure going, or sometimes I don't need that and I get myself going. Um, but it's kind of all over the place, um, you know. It, it, you never know. Ken, what do you listen to when you work out? Well, let me think back to when that last was. <laughs> uh, 20 years ago. Uh, well, no, actually, it's probably longer than that. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Yeah, so we... It, it just, to me, like in all the things talking about how you focus on the all the specifics of the weights and stuff like that, and then going back to it, the I, I have pictures of in my head of these of the, all the weight rooms that I was ever in which were just like cinder block walls and concrete floors and some carpet right and maybe some some 10 and 5 and 45 just raggedy old metal plates and a, a, a straight bar and that was about it there was maybe a squat rack and a bench and then a couple of dumbbells and that was it you gotta like have those, a butterfly machine no, 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 no. There was no butterflies. No butterflies. Actually, the, the at, there was a um, a machine that I always kind of laughed at on the wall, and it was for your neck. Like you put your you put your head in there, and it had like almost like shock, like suspension in it. And you were you, the idea was you could move your head back and forth, which would strengthen your neck muscles. Mm-hmm. Like, cool. What well, what am I gonna do with that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was just. Just the funniest thing, because that weight room had probably been there since like the '60s, but that that was just no 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 computers, no speakers, no nothing in the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Just just bare bones, just bare bones, old weights. Like when you talk about all this technology, it's just it makes so much sense, but it's just it's just weird. Just watched an episode of The Punisher that was in a weight room. I have not. I got that yet. I haven't seen season two, but I've seen that that scene. <laughs> yes, it's it's on YouTube. Is it? I yeah. need I need to watch that season. It's Excellent hard for me technique. to. It's hard for me to watch the season when I know it's canceled. That's kind of what bugs me. Yeah. That's why I haven't got to it. Because I'm like, well, what for? This is gonna be it. But it's still worth it. I know. I've heard it's really good, and I need to watch it. But I just, I, well, I get caught up either playing video games or watching anime or something else. But anime. What uh, anime do you watch? Whew. Right now, I'm watch. I'm making my way through uh, Cowboy Bebop. Good choice. Um, 
Black Clover, and I think the newest run of Sword Art Online, which is kind of eh. Mm. But, well, if you like funny, mm-hmm. uh, my favorite still of all time, uh, it's called Genshiken. Okay. If you get a chance, it's, a, it's about, it's an anime about a school club of people that watch anime. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little bit meta, yeah. and it's really very funny. If okay. you ever get a chance, Genshiken. you'll probably probably giggle a little bit Okay. That. Is it on any kind of streaming? It, or? It's probably on Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll? Okay. I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, I need to give that a, ch- I need to give it a check, because I like, I like animes where I can just binge it and... You know, one of my one of the shows I I, I haven't watched is Naruto. It's because I've it was one of those ones that had been going for so long. I kind of got intimidated by it, and there's 500 episodes of it and I haven't watched. So it's like I really don't want to do this, but I went back and I did that with Bleach. So I'm you like, you really oh. don't want to read it then. No, <laughs> that's no. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to read. So I'll probably I, I need to start with Naruto, but I will add Genshin to my list. Um, but yeah, I mean, me, and my brother, and one of my other buddies, we love watch anime we talk about anime so um but yeah weight rooms they're still neck machines we have those we still have those <laughs> they're they're a little bit different than what it is uh ours are you know you have a little pad that you put your face on but yeah it's still it's still there that's to prepare you to pull vehicles with your like mouth you put that <laughs> yeah man competition the bit yeah, right the in there job it's it's more just so you it's injury prevention so you don't See, yeah, that, so that I can buy into. Yeah, so you don't rattle your brain around when you hit somebody. But, again, there is no 100% way to – injury prevention is yeah. not always real. Well, I, I think he's answered all of my questions, at least that we can go in a very semi-short period of time. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm – List complete. <laughs> well, we definitely want to thank you so much for coming on with us and taking the time to to educate uh, the, the semi uh, conversant and the not conversant at all with with kind of what it is that you do and and how you how you uh, do it. So I, I've really uh, I really appreciate you being on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk about what I do and also talk about comic books and anime. Well, whenever the uh, the next uh, football season begins, maybe we'll have to have you back on so you can talk about how wonderful the team is doing. That would be yeah. awesome. We would really, we would love that. Just yeah, touch be base. awesome. If y'all want to come to a game, let me know. Oh, definitely. Get you back in. Well, yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'll get you some red. I'll get you some nice crimson and cream gear to wear so you don't wear any of that black and gold stuff. <laughs> I'll just wear the neutral color. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're gonna get me fired. You show up wearing some produced stuff. So. <laughs> I mean, I only have. A Couple shirts, yeah, no, no hats. No. I don't have any hats. No. So wait, wait, that's not true. I do have a sock hat. So. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I could do is borrow Notre Dame stuff from somebody. So I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that might be worse. Yeah, right no, there. Purdue's definitely worse. Oh. Yeah, no, there's, there's no question about that. Purdue's worse. <laughs> well, until next time, uh, avid viewers, we don't have yet, but avid listeners, you can uh, you can definitely reach us on our Facebook at Pudding Guys or on, uh, of course, the Twitter that we are always on at Real Pudding Guys. Take a look at the website. Tell us what you thought of this episode. Did we miss any really interesting questions to this wonderful gentleman that we should have him back and ask? We have a forums. Post them up there. We'd love to hear what you think. But uh, until next time, we will be back. Bye-bye.